we going to get this thing started? Are we going to do this? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do it. You know why we're going to do it? Because this, 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 this won't hurt a bit. These high school boys and girls are having a hop at the local soda fountain. Innocently, they dance. Innocent of a new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. Marijuana, the burning weed with its roots in hell. If you remember in season one, I mean, really only the diehard fans, they're going to know this. Mm -hmm. But we did talk about marijuana in season one. But we want to revisit that. Yeah, we want to do a little bit more. We're talking about Mary Jane. Yeah, we got to do it a little. Marijuana. Yeah, the information is going to be different. The style is obviously different compared to season one. So we want to revisit this. You know, there's a lot of media attention on marijuana. A lot of California. Yes, yes. Legalization and new uses for medical marijuana. So I think it's time to circle back to marijuana. Sounds totally great, dude. Yeah, man. It's, I thought we could talk about marijuana again. I totally forgot we did it last year. Why does everyone <laughs> smoking marijuana sound like they're from the San Fernando Valley and they surf on the weekend? <laughs> what is that stereotype? Okay, so you want to know how long marijuana has been around? Yes. Give me a history. Like, how long have people been using it? I, my my hunch is that people have been using it for a long grass time. No. Trying to keep it clean for the kids, <laughs> even though we're talking about drugs. Okay, so we did find that all the way back thousands of years ago, even all the way back to over 1000 BC, there was an Egyptian mummy and they did some studies on this. They studied like the soft tissue, the bone, the hair, and they found that it was positive for hashish. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. So if you think you're going to pass your drug test after 30 days nope. of being sober. Try a thousand, 2000 years? Four What'd you thousand say? 4,000 years. It doesn't leave your system. Was that in the San Fernando Valley, that mummy? <laughs> <laughs> had to have been. <laughs> yeah, that, been. yeah. And you'd probably talk like this, yeah, bro. bro yeah. What's up, Pharaoh? Yeah, <laughs> Just yeah. going to the Nile to catch some ridewaves, dude. <laughs> Whoa, that pyramid's so big. And then there was also some manuscripts that showed that all the way back to the year 117, so now we're in AC, 117, okay. there was a Chinese physician whose name I cannot pronounce, Hua to. To. And he would give his patients marijuana and wine, mm. and then he would do surgery on them. Okay. I would like to go to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. It was like, here, smoke this joint, have a shot right. of whatever soju. <laughs> or the, so 117 AD, that's like, oh, there's still like the Roman Empire. Yeah, did the American Indians smoke weed? Ooh. Don't know. Well, this brings up a good question. Where does pot or marijuana, the plant, originate from? Was oh, it an it's import? it's thought to be Asian. It's thought to be okay. Asian, but it was it was farmed all over the place. Actually, that was in this article that I read that talked about this Chinese physician, that it was really, really spread throughout a lot of parts of the world, but it's thought to originally come from Asia. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if it got to Egypt 4,000 years ago, and it was originally from China... In order for that plant to even be considered something important to ship that far, people knew about it. Yeah. A long time. Oh, yeah, yeah, probably. And I pro- it was probably for the medicinal purposes as well as the fabric and textile purposes. As it is today. Yeah. Right, right. Right. So I see a Bill voiceover telling us exactly where this plant came yeah, from. Yeah, I know. Actually, blah, 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 blah. blah, 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 blah. blah, blah. 
Actually, use of cannabis for hemp fabric and rope dates back all the way to the Neolithic age in China, Japan, and ancient Mesopotamia, around 10,000 years ago. But it didn't make it to Europe until around 1200 BC. The oldest record of cannabis for medicinal use comes from the father of Chinese medicine, Emperor Shen Nung. Emperor Shen Nung. He wrote one of the first medical texts in 2700 BC by trying herbal remedies himself and then writing down their effects. He described cannabis as, quote, accurate and balanced and claimed it had a variety of healing properties. He also said that taking too much of it may cause one to behold ghosts and frenetically run about. Legend has it that Emperor Shen Nung died from his medicinal research. And what about in the U.S.? Well, it appeared in the U.S. Pharmacopoeia in either 1851 or 1839. We have some conflicting information on that. But sometime in the mid-1800s. And it was used for medicinal purposes until 19. 37, when it was criminalized, despite the American Medical Association saying, we don't think you should criminalize it. Like, we think it has potential for medicinal uses. And then it was removed from the U.S. Pharmacopoeia in 1942. That's upsetting. Yeah. Because now we've criminalized this drug that we were using therapeutically and we haven't researched it properly since then because now there's all this stigma around marijuana. And the American Medical Association, which is a very conservative group, said, don't do this. They're like, dude, it's totally fine. What are you doing? Why are you doing that, man? Way to go, government. So the medical uses for this drug, it sounds like the research for it and trying to figure out what it's used for kind of stopped at 1937. Well, not necessarily stopped, but probably were slowed down substantially than what they would have been if it had stayed legal. So a lot of the medicinal uses we know of today is from prior to it becoming criminalized. So they knew back in the day, oh, this is good for nausea, or this is good for pain, or this is good for anxiety. But since then, the number of, you know, randomized, well-done studies that you'd get, like, if you had a brand new drug on the market to treat heart attacks, we just haven't had many of those. So when you read the reviews, the medical reviews of this stuff, it's like, well, we think it kind of does this, but there's no really good evidence for it. Okay. So, yeah. So if anyone starts saying it's good for nausea or good for seizures or depression, this is very early sort of research and opinion. Mostly, yes. But but it's also important to understand that there's certain compounds that are very similar to marijuana that are not exactly the same, but they are totally approved and used for certain things like appetite stimulation. Oh, interesting. So there's a drug called dronabinol, and that is to help stimulate appetite. And that is like totally legit and approved, FDA approved. And it's used for things like people with eating disorders or people who have, you know, wasting because they're really sick from cancer and we need to help them get their nutrition status better. Yeah, right. So things that they just can't eat enough. That is a cannabinoid, but it's not like they're buying marijuana off the street and smoking a bud. They're synthetically making it. Yes, And then there's other things that marijuana is used for, like glaucoma. So glaucoma is an increased pressure in the front part of the eye. You can lose your vision from that over time. And that's treated with a variety of different medications. One of them is related to marijuana. In this film, you will see the ease with which this vicious plant can be grown in your neighbor's yard, rolled into harmless-looking cigarettes, hidden in an innocent shoe or watch case. Other things that are interesting about sort of the evolution of marijuana over time is that it has gotten way, way, way more potent. Really, in the last several decades, mm-hmm. you know, it's, this has changed through cultivation and obviously growing plants for certain properties that are stronger sure. in some strains than others. Just like you would grow corn and you're trying to get like or the chickens. best tasting corn. Or chickens, exactly. You so, want more eggs from a certain type of chicken. Chickens are right. more potent than they used to be? Is that what oh, you're saying? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah? Yeah. Chickens well, are more chickeny. Well, actually, more. there's yeah. chickens that are like show chickens, and they are bred to be really pretty, and they don't lay as many eggs as a chicken that's like made to lay eggs. Like those will just pump out eggs for the Like farm. dairy cows. Yeah, like dairy I cows. I don't think of chickens as pretty no matter what you do them. Oh, really? They're just oh, chickens. There's really beautiful chickens. Yeah. Sorry. You haven't been Sorry to all the chickens listening. To enough beautiful I'll chickens. I'll take you to a chicken show. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get We've away. We've been derailed. Chicken show. <laughs> You hear a lot of people that are older than me, or I hear a lot of people older than me that did a lot of weed in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And they say the same thing. The potency of the kids' marijuana today is so much more than back in the day. And uh, there's actually some evidence for that, that the potency has gone up. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a huge variety just from one plant to the next. I mean, this is not, in general, this is not like it's FDA approved. If you're getting this from a dealer, or even if you're getting it from a lot of shops where it's legal, there's not necessarily a lot of consistency from one thing that you buy to the next. And so the actual psychoactive components, it could be like 1% THC or it could be 20% THC. That's a massive difference if you're used to smoking the same amount or ingesting or however you use it. Well, that totally must, different. That effect. must be getting better, though, because like with now with these shops and these stores, More they're regulated. probably a lot of control yeah. over the farms and... They know what they're doing. And, and arguably way safer yeah. that you kind of know a little bit more about what you're getting. Right. Yeah. I'd pay a little more for that. Modern marijuana labels have not been standardized, but most labels do contain a few common stats. THC percentage is the amount of THC naturally present in the product due to aging. THCA percentage is the amount of THC that can be activated by smoking the product. Total THC or maximum THC percentage typically combines both of these numbers, usually around 20 to 25% dry weight. Multiply that percentage by the dry weight and you'll get a rough idea of how much THC you're purchasing. Okay, let's talk about the oils. That's something my dad is actually taking right now for anxiety. And what is exactly the difference between just smoking pot and putting a couple drops of this oil in your under your tongue? And he says it works, by the way. Well, it's a little bit complicated because there's different types of oils and there's lots of different preparations. So sort of from a big picture point of view, it goes like this. The marijuana plant has different areas. It has buds. It has little leafy bits on those buds. It has the leaves. It has the stems. And there's different concentrations of what are probably many hundreds of different chemical compounds within that plant. And so you can extract oil from that plant or turn some of the plant into oil and classically what you're talking about is cbd oil so cbd is one of the compounds which is not psychoactive so it doesn't give you that high but it does have effects for like anti-seizure effects anti-anxiety effects so if you're getting pure cbd oil then you shouldn't get high from it but you should have some of these other positive effects. That's what he says. He doesn't he right. doesn't get loopy. He doesn't get the munchies. He doesn't get paranoid. He just gets a little tired and stops like worrying about stuff and goes to sleep. But there are indeed oils that you can get which have everything in it. Have THC, which is the psychoactive get you high part, but also has the CBD. And this is part of the reason why a lot of people want to have this all FDA approved and regulated. Where does he get it from? He buys it online from some company in, I think it's Colorado. and mm, That's where a lot of stuff has yeah. comes from. It's from Colorado. 
And does it have a percent on it or anything? Or is no. it just says, take no. three drops for It's like the bottles you buy on eBay. Like buy mm. 500 eyedropper bottles. And then it's got a like a little label on it and he gets it from there. And it's expensive. Yeah, right. That just makes me super anxious because you just don't know I what know. the hell is in that yeah. thing. It could be like ground up squirrel monkey. It's brown. Same with or any herbal medication. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. you go to the drugstore and you get an herbal medication, you don't know what's in there. It is not regulated by the FDA. So yeah, you're you're trusting yeah. the manufacturer. Right. And and just to be clear, that is legal in most states. There's a pretty famous emergency physician whose daughter had a very serious seizure disorder. And he decided, even though he's a very conservative guy, that everything was failing, so he used uh, marijuana oil, the CBD form, and it really did a fantastic job at reducing his daughter's seizures. But he noted the same thing, even in Colorado where it was legal. Finding a place where he could get the same concentration of that CBD oil was really difficult because he would have it you know, sent out and tested. So there's lots of different uh, compounds. The two big ones, CBD, non-psychoactive, and THC, psychoactive, make you high. And oils, generally people are talking about the oil that's CBD, which doesn't make you high, which is used for anxiety and inflammation and seizures and this kind of stuff. But you can get oils with all of that stuff in there, so it's complicated, and that's why it should be regulated. Again, people say this should be like alcohol. When you go to the liquor store, you know how much alcohol is in whatever drink you've got in front of you because it says beer, like 6%, uh, vodka, 45%. You get some idea of what's in there. Right now, it's not so good. You will see dumpsters lure children to destruction. We're going over to Joe's place. Why don't you come along? We have a date to play a set of doubles. Oh, you can play anytime. Come on, we'll have some laughs. Can I go along with you? Sure. Hey, I'll see you at dinner, sis. You will meet Bill, who wants to pride in his strong will as he takes the first step toward enslavement. Okay, so now that marijuana is being legalized in many states, I'm sure recreational use of it will go up. So what are the bad side effects of marijuana? I mean, you can go on blogs, on Facebook, and everyone's like, there are no bad side effects. It's a, it's a wonder drug. It's <laughs> awesome. But there's got to be something. Like, you got to get lung cancer, right? You're, if you're smoking it, you're sucking in all this smoke. So what are some bad side effects from short-term and long-term use of marijuana? Well, I just sort of demystified. Like, every single thing you do, eat, drink, can have potentially have side effects. Pepper, Water. Pepper. Everything. If everything. I eat like a ton of pepper. That's bad for you, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so again, this is part of the problem was when you criminalize this thing 50, 60, 70 years ago, where are the longitudinal studies, uh, the randomized trials, or we gave some people uh, marijuana every day for a week versus not, like we would for a normal regulated medication. We would have had a much better idea of just how bad it is. So um, first of all, let's do smoking it. So it's probably true. So you're going to hear lots of probabilities and maybes from now on. It's probably true that smoking marijuana is less bad for you than smoking tobacco. It appears to be true that tobacco is really bad. It gives you cancer. It gives you COPD and all this stuff. And it's probably true that burning the marijuana plant is less bad than tobacco. But it probably still can produce bad things. Like, I just don't see how taking something, a leaf, a plant, a piece of wood and smoke and inhaling it is good for you over the long term. Right, so day after day. It can't, I mean, that just doesn't seem like good. And so the evidence right. we have suggests that it is bad, but not as bad as tobacco. Right? I think part of that is because, like you said, you're just smoking anything. So you're combusting something, and then you're inhaling that. That's very irritating to your lungs, and whatever you're combusting is going to cause potentially, it's going to be carcinogenic. 
But cigarettes, I think, and I'm postulating, but I think why that's potentially worse is because that is something that's rolled up in a paper and there's some preservatives in it and there's a whole bunch of other crap rather than like the natural leaf, man, the natural bud, that's all you're smoking. So I think there's something in that process that makes it maybe a little bit more carcinogenic. But I would definitely tell anyone who's smoking anything, yes, this could for sure, like this is increasing your risk of lung cancer. So it's probably healthier to do an oil or to have an edible than smoke it. But again, that's just me postulating. Of course, maybe when you eat it, there's substances within that that can produce colon cancer instead Mm -hmm. or get absorbed systemically and still give you cancer somewhere else. But in general, though, marijuana appears to be a pretty safe substance, especially when you don't smoke it. And we should state for the record that what we're talking about in this episode is sort of natural marijuana from plants, even though we've said that they've gotten more potent over time. There are synthetic marijuana compounds, and these are very dangerous, or at least can be extraordinarily dangerous, producing lots of paranoia and seizures, and it's bad. So synthetic weed is a whole different story than sort of the natural weed from the plant. It grows out maybe in your back garden. So smoking is the really common one, but edibles is another really, really common one. So this is basically, you. I don't actually know how you, I've never prepared it, but you take the marijuana and then you bake it into a brownie or it, someone puts it into a candy bar, for example, and then you eat it. And this, to me, is very interesting because the the way it affects you is different than if you were to smoke it. If you smoke marijuana... Within about 15, maybe 30 minutes, you are feeling high from that. It doesn't take very long before you're like, oh yeah, there, there's the effect. And then within about four hours, it's wearing off and you're kind of done with your high. And so people know what to expect with that. Right. Edibles are different. Edibles don't start making you feel high until maybe three hours Oh, jeez. Yeah, it could be 30 minutes, but it could be three hours. So let's say yeah. you go buy a marijuana brownie. Yeah, I like to get one marijuana brownie. And you're like, okay, I'm just going to start slow with this. And you take a you take a bite and you're like, I don't feel anything yet. Have a little bit more and then take another bite. Man, I still don't feel anything. Before you know it, you're maybe just... Maybe I need two. Right. Let's have another one. Or maybe the brownie's starting to taste better. And you're like, I'm going to eat this whole brownie. You get through the entire brownie, not realizing that that brownie had, quote unquote, four servings of marijuana in it. Oh, no. And you've now ingested a huge amount. I just saw a patient who just did this. It's very common. And she came in super sick. It was her first time eating an edible form of marijuana, and she took way too much. She was in the ER for like 14 hours trying to sober up and feeling absolutely awful. And it takes like 12 hours before that's out of your system. Wow. And you're kind of sobering up. So, I mean, that that makes it more likely to have an accidental overdose that you didn't even intend. And guess what else? Guess who else loves little candies and little brownies that you leave sitting out on your counter? Yep. The kiddies. The kids. Yep. So your kid or your, you know, your niece or your nephew or someone comes, picks up that brownie and takes some of it. Whoopsie. Why is little Johnny throwing up and acting weird? What's wrong with him? What What's going on? We got to bring him to the ER. And so after the legalization of marijuana in the in the states in the U.S. where it's legal, there has been a huge spike in the number of ER visits mm. for pediatric accidental ingestions. That's awful. Yeah, totally. And, and like a lot of the companies that are trying to sell this stuff, they make their candy bar packages look like candy. Oh, yeah, of right. Of course, right? Thinking like, oh, I'm going to make it uh, make it cutesy, make it appeal to people. But, you know, this is the same thing with like, you know, cigarette ads and how they used to be really appealing to children. And that had to change. Yeah, there's 
laws about how you can advertise cigarettes. Well, they don't have laws yet about how you're allowed to advertise marijuana and the packaging that it can be in. There's a lot of laws that need to be made about this. And so, of course, a kid, someone leaves that out. They're going to scoop it up, eat a candy bar, not realize, get super sick. And no one knows why their three-year-old is now, like, super sick. That just doesn't – there's no common sense with that, with making a one brownie in a package with four servings of marijuana in it. Yeah, it's really common for, like, the cookie version to have six servings, for example. Like, who eats a sixth of a cookie? Right. Nobody. Right. Nobody. Smoking the soul-destroying reefer, they find a moment's pleasure, but at a terrible price. Debauchery, violence, murder, suicide. Dave, have you heard of cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome? Um, let's see. Okay, let's Lots break that down. Of... Hyper throwing up. Emesis, yes. Vomiting. Lots of throwing up. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting phenomenon because normally you think of marijuana as an anti-emetic, meaning it relieves nausea. It treats nausea. But it can also, in a subset of patients who have been using marijuana for a very long time, for reasons that are not totally well understood, but it's something to do with where the receptors are in the brain for cannabinoids versus the emesis centers, those vomiting centers in your brain, and a little bit of cross-reactivity. And for some reason, over time, marijuana can make you really, really nauseous. It can give you this cyclic vomiting syndrome where you just like can't hold anything down. You're miserable. You're throwing up. You just feel like death. And then people come into the ER to get treatment for this. So we actually see this very frequently. I, I feel like I see this almost every shift. We saw hyperemesis go up dramatically with legalization. That's Chris Colwell. He's the chief of emergency medicine at the Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital and Trauma Center, where he is also a professor and the vice chair in the Department of Emergency Medicine at UC San Francisco. Hyperemesis from marijuana tends to be from daily use over a long period of time. It can be very difficult to treat. Sometimes the only thing that will treat it is a hot shower and patients run out of hot water and they have no other option, so they come in to see you. And to be fair, they looked very ill and they felt very ill. I remember very vividly one of the first patients I saw in January of 2014 in Colorado. The charge nurse, who I trust very much, came and grabbed me and said, you need to come in this room now. This patient looks like they're going to die. And I walked in and I agreed. The patient looked like they were going to die and they felt like they were going to die. They were pale. They were diaphoretic. They looked and felt awful. And so we did everything that you would do for somebody like that. And only after about two or three hours and their level started to come down and then they started to feel much different did we realize what we were dealing with. And so the high concentration edibles now with some of the hash oil issues and you can get very super high concentrated products, we're seeing a lot more of high concentration that was very hard to get when you were smoking. So they come in, they usually don't know that they have this. They just know that they feel awful and maybe they had food poisoning or something. And I I asked them, do you feel better after taking a lot of hot showers? Does this happen to you frequently? And then, so how many times a day do you smoke marijuana? I just had this, uh, this resident who was uh, visiting from a different program, and she came and was working in the ER with me. And she came and said, Dr. Mason, I have a patient to present to you. Um, This patient's here with nausea and vomiting, hasn't been able to hold anything down for three days, and uh, 19 years old. And and I was thinking already, like, you're kind of the right age for this. And so I said, did you ask about marijuana use? And she said, oh, yeah, he, he denied any marijuana use, doesn't use it at all. I was like, 
okay. And I kind of got this hunch, like, this sounds like my guy who's like my, my typical cannabinoid hyperemesis guy. I walk over to go see the patient, and right across his chest, there's a huge marijuana leaf tattoo. That's a good clue. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, I know what you got, sir. You need to quit smoking marijuana forever if you ever want to feel better again. They don't like that. They don't like that advice. Yeah, but that's like, that's pretty cool, though. Like, to walk in like Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> And you just you just pull the curtain open, stop smoking marijuana, <laughs> close the curtain back. That's like, bedside manner right there. How did there. you figure all that out just yeah. by looking at me? <laughs> yeah, and the way we treat cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome in the ER is really interesting. There's a couple things that, you know, there's oh. a little bit of data to support them. Okay. Not robust data, but a little bit. And one of them, um, an, a nausea medicine. So Makes no, sense. Not the traditional nausea medicine, but actually one called haloperidol. And that's an, usually thought of as an antipsychotic, but also has a lot of nausea, anti-nausea properties as well. And that seems to be one that works well for this. And then, Mel, what's the other one that's pretty interesting? Um, is it your idea of putting warm bottles on their tummy? <laughs> the capsaicin. <laughs> no, you go with the warm bottles. I like that idea. <laughs> wait, wait, well, wait, wait, wait. You're... <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> warm bottles. But the other one, Capsa- Capsa- you're, you're putting hot sauce on people's bodies? Basically. Yeah, yeah. Any particular, like a habanero <laughs> brand or jalapeno? How many, how many skull fields does it have to be before it starts working? Just, I've never actually used this. Yeah. How much do you use? So the idea is that you rub this on their skin. Presumably this capsaicin, something in there is getting absorbed and making them feel better. But do you, where do you rub it? On their belly? On their head? What do you do? Yeah, so the instructions, it comes in a tube. It usually takes a while for them to get this medication from pharmacy. And it comes in these very low concentrations, like 0.05%, for example, in that range. Uh, it comes in a big tube. It looks like toothpaste. And then you have them wear a glove because if they rub some of this yeah. in their eyeball, or your uh, not nether like regions. It. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. And then you basically take some of that cream and you rub it over where your stomach is. You could probably put it other places too if you wanted, but <laughs> you do it over the I don't the know. This doesn't sound like I don't know, this doesn't sound like the best idea because okay, one, you smoke pot. Two, this hot sauce starts to make you feel better, <laughs> and then you probably get a craving for Mexican food, and then it just starts the vicious cycle it's all over again. not actual hot sauce. Capsaicin is what makes pepper spicy, and it's extracted Come and put on. into a cream. You're not fooling anybody. I'm not putting Tabasco on their tummies. So my idea is to do a study instead of capsaicin cream, just to give them a hot pack, like a little warm water bottle, okay. and tell them to hold it on their tummy. Yeah. And see if that works. We were thinking, you know, Jess was going through us, and I think that probably works for everything there. If you're sad, a warm water bottle yeah. on your tummy works. Mm. If you're high, it makes you feel better. If you've got hyperemesis in your nice it makes you feel better. Nice bowl of soup in your yeah. tummy. Yeah. Like yeah. you're holding it. Okay, so to wrap up, don't buy anything from someone off the street. <laughs> Except a newspaper. Don't overdo a good thing. Pot's been around for a long time. We're in uncharted territory when it comes to medical uses. And this drug needs to be taken off the Schedule 1 list so people can study it. Cool. And then, Mel, you do a summary as well. So my summary would go like this. I think we've demystified marijuana. It's just another drug. There's lots of drugs out there. Alcohol's a drug. Marijuana's a drug. It has some good things about it, and it has some bad things about it. Um, It can be used medically, and it can be used recreationally. You should, when you take in any drug, I don't care which one it is, you should get it from a reliable source. And the guy down the street is not a reliable source. 
I think this should be legal and I think it should be FDA approved and I think we should know exactly what we're putting into our body, just like when I go and have a beer. And if we do something like that, I think it'll make it a lot more safer. But no drug is completely safe. But marijuana in the old school form, in your mama's form, it's pretty safe. One thing that's come up a lot on social media recently is this idea that it's safe to smoke marijuana while you're pregnant. Okay, that's false. Just to be clear, that is not true. It does cross the placenta and really doing any drug while you're pregnant, ill-advised. I wouldn't advise that. Um, And then also while breastfeeding, this actually concentrates the THC to a higher concentration in the breast milk. So little baby, breastfeeding baby, Uh is getting even more high than mama. So just want to dispel that myth. This is not safe during pregnancy, and it is definitely not safe if breastfeeding. And it's also not safe uh, to drive. So I know a lot of stoners that say, I'm fine if I smoke and I drive. I would never drink and drive because everybody knows that's bad. No, uh, your probability of a car accident goes up substantially if you smoke a joint and hop in the car. Not as much as if you have a few beers and hop in the car, but it's still a risk factor for crashing and hurting yourself and other people. So don't get in the car after you've done some weed. And I want to add, just because breast milk intensifies the strength of pot does not mean we should be selling it in the stores next to the brownies or anything else. So don't anyone get any ideas about that. And the ultimate end of the marijuana addict. Hopeless insanity. See this important film now, before it is too late. So that's it. That's the show. Thanks to Dave Mason, Jess Mason, my name's Mel Herbert. Special thanks to Dr. Chris Caldwell. And special thanks to our research assistants for this episode, medical student Enid Picard and Dr. Jesse Werner. This One Hurt a Bit is a production of Fooly Boo Incorporated. Produced by Cece Herbert and Bill Connor. The information you hear on This One Hurt a Bit should not be taken as actual medical advice. If you have actual medical questions about actual medical things, you should see an actual medical practitioner. Even though we are actually doctors, we're not your actual doctor. So... Be sensible and keep it real. And this, oh this, 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 this won't hurt a bit. It's not really clear why people get the munchies, but one of the uh, studies in rats suggested that maybe it just makes you able to smell better and taste better and like, oh, I really want something to eat and I can really taste it. It tastes great. Or it could be sort of more sort of there's an appetite uh, section in your brain and it might sort of make that just stimulate and it's like, just I'm just hungry. This is all I just... Then um, why do you want Doritos instead of, like, fine dining? I know. That's what doesn't make sense with the rat studies. It's like, I need some exquisite French fruit. I need lobster thermidor. <laughs> nope. Cheese box. With truffle just and asparagus. Box. Nope. I yeah. want ding-dongs. Yeah.